John Wesley is not a name often heard around Wall Street types who run with the bulls and talk about buying low and selling high. Wesley once said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Today, too many people cast such wisdom aside and replace Wesley's wise financial advice with make all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. Financial success God's way sounds like this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, give to God first and he'll take care of the rest. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. What's true about our finances is true of life in general. Those who live the best lives are the ones who give their lives away. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian Davis. I'm so glad you've joined us. Coming your way next, Ron takes a look at what it means to live successfully in the area of our personal finances as he continues his teaching series, Wise Sayings, Guidance for Everyday Life. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now from Proverbs chapter three, here's Ron with part two of his message, Secrets of a Successful Life. And the fear of the Lord is that awesome respect for who God is and what he says, such that it makes you turn away from evil. That's what Solomon says to his son. He says, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away, turn away from evil. Now, I learned a little bit about the fear of the Lord playing high school football. Uh, I didn't go on in college to play, but I, I played uh, quarterback in my high school football team. I didn't start playing football until my sophomore year in high school. Uh, I played a lot of baseball uh, growing up from, you know, wee little uh, ages, and uh, my, my eighth grade PE teacher saw me throwing a football in gym class, and it was natural to me, and he says, hey, we, we need a guy like you on the team next year, so I, I, uh, I, I played football in high school. I, I, I like the idea of quarterback because you got to wear the red jersey in practice, which means don't hit him, okay? <laughs> Smart choice on my part. Uh, I started my my junior year on the JV team, and then my senior year, uh, junior, junior and senior year, I was a starting varsity quarterback. Uh, I remember it was so new to me, and I was so, so green. I remember the first time the coaches put me in in practice to, to run the offense, I was just nervous as nervous can be. Coach said, hey, Jones, yo, you're up. So I run out there, put my helmet on, and the play comes in. I get the play. I call the play. We break the huddle. Everybody goes to the line of scrimmage, and I do what a quarterback's supposed to do. You kind of walk up there with that swagger and scan over the defense like I knew what I was looking at. I didn't have a clue as to what I was looking at. Then I put my hands up under the right guard. (laughs) He did one of those. (laughs) How about them bears, right? (laughs) I was so embarrassed that my coaches are back there doing this. You got to be kidding me. I don't know where that old boy is, but I don't think he ever recovered from the experience. You can tell I haven't, but, uh, 
But here's what I learned about the fear of the Lord. This was back in the day where they sent plays in from the sideline. And after every play, you know, they'd send somebody in, the guy would whisper the play to me, and I'd call the play in the huddle. Now, I'd be a Mr. Smarty Pants and a Mr. Worldly Wise Man if I said, okay, good idea, coach, and then called my own play. Doesn't work that way. I, I would not be fearing and respecting the coach who calls the play. And so this is what Solomon is saying to his son. Son, if you, if you want to win the game of life, if you want to live life successfully and skillfully, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't go around saying, oh, I've got this figured out. I know better than, certainly than God. No, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. And then it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Here's a fifth secret. It's found in verses 9 to 10. Put God first in your finances. Oh, boy, here we go. I'm going to meddle a little bit. But listen to this. This is just practical, practical wisdom from above. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all, you pro, of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Let me take the agricultural reward here and put it in our, our day and age. How many of you want uh, investment accounts and Wall Street's accounts that are just, you know, teeming over with prosperity where everything is up and to the right in a bull market? Does anybody want their investment accounts to do that? I certainly do. Kind of hard today, but, you know, back in Solomon's day, they talked about barns being filled with plenty and vats that were bursting with wine. It was an agricultural thing that the harvest was plentiful and everything was in plentiful supply. We all want that. We all want a successful financial life. Well, I have a, a, an undergraduate degree in financial planning, so I've been a kind of a financially planned guy over the years, but here's something I never learned in my financial planning schooling. That's to honor the Lord first with your wealth. That's what Solomon says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Again, an agricultural analogy here. They would come to harvest time and they would take the first crops in. Those were given to the Lord. Then they would go out and harvest the rest. And it wasn't because, well, this, this belongs to the Lord and the rest belongs to me. No, that first fruit harvest that was given to the Lord was an acknowledgement that it all belonged to him anyway. And this is, this is the principle of the tithe in scriptures where we give to God the first tenth. Not because, oh, you, you get 10 and I get 90, Lord, and I can do whatever I want with it. No, it all belongs to him. I learned a long time ago that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that my spiritual life and my financial life need an intersection point. I need to download God's economic principles into my financial life if I'm going to have a successful financial life. And the first of those principles is to move from an ownership mentality to a stewardship mentality. A stewardship mentality says, it doesn't belong to me. All that stuff I've got in bank accounts and savings and real estate investments, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. I'm just his steward. I'm just his manager. That's the teaching of Scripture. And so that means that every financial decision becomes a spiritual decision because you're spending God's money, not yours. And the Bible says that one day we will give an account, an account of how well 
we managed the Lord's wealth. So we come to this wonderful principle in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. In other words, put God first in your financial life. You can't say Jesus is number one in your life if he's last in your budget. Doesn't work that way. If he's the last check that you write, the last thing you think about, if it's, oh, if I have anything left over I give to God, then the latter half of the verse, God is not obligated to make your vats you know, beam over and, and the harvest to be plentiful. But here's what Catherine and I learned a long time ago, and we started our marriage this way, friends. I'm talking from personal experience here, not just from ivory tower, you know, pastor things. We, we, we began our marriage 20 plus years ago on the 10-10-80 plan. I didn't learn this in my financial planning school, but the first 10 was a tithe that we gave to the Lord, gave to God first. Get a paycheck, first check I write. It's not to the mortgage, not to this, not to, it's to God. 10% right off the top, starting point. So you give to God first, then you pay yourself second. That's the second 10. You do that little by little over a long period of time, that's how you build wealth. It's not by buying a lottery ticket and expecting, you know, this, this windfall to come. No, you pay your, give to God first, pay yourself second, live off the rest. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Secrets of a Successful Life. Be sure to stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resources from our online store. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, where I give you a bird's-eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. 
Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, They include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets. Then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles and Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, What I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. Uh, That's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. Uh, My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. You can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And now let's rejoin Ron for the rest of today's message, Secrets of a Successful Life. If you've never done the savings and investment thing, and you're among the 76% of Americans today that have less than $1,000 in the bank, you're going to have to jack that second number up and jack the third number way down, way down. The problem is, (laughs) uh, I think these numbers are still true. The average American spends $1.10 for every dollar that they bring in the door. That's called debt, you know, Uh, Too much house, house poor, car poor, you know, all those kinds of things. You you prioritize your finances according to God's principles, um, and you do that over time. Trust me, I'm not Donald Trump, but I got more than $1,000 in the bank. Okay? Now, it could all be gone tomorrow. I I understand the, the whims of the stock market and all of that and the economy that's out of our control. But God has honored in the Jones family and many, many others that I know of in this church and in other places has honored the fact that we honored him first. It takes faith to do that. Some of you have more month than you have money right now. And you say, oh, I, there's no way I can do that. I got, no, first thing you do is you honor him. And what I found is when you honor the Lord first, It's amazing how he takes care of the rest. And even in the ups and downs of economies and all that, God takes care of those who in a very tangible way put him first in their life with their finances. And some of you with those trust issues, you have have a hard time trusting in this area of your finances. It's the only area in the Bible where where the Lord says, if you don't trust me, then put me to the test. Just try it out. Try it out for 90 days. <laughs> take, take the giving test and see what the Lord does. All right, last, uh, 
The last secret of a successful life is found in verses 11 and 12. We t- we've touched on some incredible areas, haven't we? Remembering wise instruction, giving and receiving love, putting your complete trust in the Lord, respecting his commandments by the fear of the Lord, putting God first in our finances. I mean, Proverbs just covers a gamut of just practical, everyday, gritty, useful spirituality. And then we come down to this last one about the Lord's discipline and accepting the Lord's discipline in our life. And Solomon says, now, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Solomon's fast-forwarding, and he's anticipating that maybe his son is not going to take this wise counsel and put it into practice as best as he needs to, and there may be some times that he's there's an area of his life that is not rightly related to the Lord, and his heavenly father then needs to step in and engage in a little bit of discipline. Now, the writer of Hebrews picks up on this, uh, these verses from Proverbs. You can go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, read it when you have some time uh, this afternoon or this week. It talks about how uh, nobody likes discipline at the moment, but a father who loves his son disciplines his child. Don't be afraid of that word discipline, parents. We're not talking about abuse. Don't go to that extreme. Don't, don't, don't truncate or abandon uh, wise and godly and parental discipline in the home and with your children just because some say that all of that is, is abusive. It's not. If you don't discipline your child, uh, you'll, you'll end up with an unruly child, and it'll hit you in the teenage years, and you're like, oh, my, what just happened here? Start young. Uh, a, a loving parent disciplines his child because he or she loves that child. Well, our Heavenly Father does the same thing. Uh, he doesn't condemn us. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But if the Lord sees an area of our life that is not rightly related to Him, that needs to be reprioritized or adjusted, He may send some loving discipline into our life. Solomon is anticipating that time when when his parental role has maybe changed. His son will move out one day and be on his own. And not that the relationship is is, uh, broken in any way, but but you know how that changes parents. Now, Now kids are making their own decisions. And he just says to his son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ and you've never been disciplined by the Lord, the Bible says you might not be one of his children. Okay, So the presence of discipline is, is an indication that we belong to him as one of his children by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a lot to digest this morning, isn't it? It's a lot for me to communicate. But these, these are just some simple things. Secrets of a successful life, the, the skillful application of God's wisdom in just some very practical areas of life. And as we talk about it, yeah, it steps on our toes here and steps on our toes there, but hey, take those notes and the notes that you made. Remember this this afternoon, tomorrow. Ask God to weave this into your life and into your heart. Uh, bind it on your heart and and on your, your forehead, and just carry it with you wherever you go. Have, have conversations as, as a couple and as a family about these things as well. And watch God do some amazing things in your life when you begin to say, listen, I'm a, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, 
I, I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. And you know where that begins? It begins at the cross of Christ. It begins at the cross of Christ when all of us, as sinners who need a Savior, say, Lord, you know better than I do how to fix this thing between you and me. Because the Bible says, apart from Christ, we are enemies of God. Strong language. But that's the diagnosis of Scripture. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's way of fixing that was the cross of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And he didn't just die on the cross and go into the ground. He rose triumphantly from the grave three days later. Everything about Christianity hinges on the resurrection of Christ. And here we are 2,000 years later still proclaiming it. The wise person is the one who says, I don't know what I don't know, even about my relationship with God. And I'm going to make a beeline to the cross and begin there, receiving God's grace and his forgiveness, receiving his love so that I'm in a better position to give love to others as well. Will you do that today? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, just know your Heavenly Father loves you so much. But he loves you too much to leave you the way you are and to leave me the way I am. And he's done something about that in the person of Jesus Christ. And he's offered us the free gift of eternal life for anybody who would receive it. And I want to encourage you to do that today. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message, Secrets of a Successful Life. And Ron, you covered a lot of material today about what a successful life looks like, remembering wise instruction, giving and receiving love, and so on. There were six areas in all, but all of them are built around a common theme, aren't they? They sure are, Brian. You know, the world defines success in terms of personal achievement, but God defines it in terms of personal sacrifice. And that's what each of the six areas we covered today boils down to, submitting to God in the area of our finances, in our human relationships, in our relationship with God himself. Now, let me put it another way. Success in life and the rewards that come with it begins with humility. Now, I think many, maybe even most Christians know the truth, but of course, there's a big difference between knowing what to do and doing what you know. If a believer in Christ, for example, is struggling financially, and if that person is not following God's prescription for giving, then that's the place to start. Start tithing. Start giving. I know that flies in the face of human reason, which is why it takes humility to actually go out there and uh, put that truth into practice. And we know what God promises. If we follow him in the area of our finances, he will always provide. Not sometimes, not most of the time, but every time. And it's the same way in every area of life. Start the problem-solving process by giving your life away, and God will make sure you have life and have it better than you ever imagined. You'll still have problems. You'll still have challenges. But the kind of joy God promises to those who follow him is not rooted in our circumstances. It's rooted in who God is and what he's promised to do in the lives of all those who humble themselves and do life his way even if it doesn't make sense sometimes. That's great stuff, Ron. And it's true. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, Ron, it's time to wrap things up here on Something Good Radio, but not before you tell us what's coming our way next time. 
Well, Brian, we've been talking about Proverbs for several days now, and we've covered a lot of ground, how to choose friends, how to attain wisdom and knowledge, how to handle money, how to live a successful life in the eyes of God. Tomorrow, we take on a new subject, one that profoundly affects all of us, and not always in a good way. I'm talking about physical intimacy. To be blunt, I'm talking about sex. And the truth is, everyone is talking about sex, and they have been for a long, long time. Now, I'm not saddened that it's such a popular subject in our culture, but I'm deeply saddened at the way sex is cheapened and the way it's talked about in general. Because when you listen to the mainstream ideas about sex, you almost never hear what God says about it. And believe me, he has plenty to say about it. So I hope you'll join me tomorrow for part one of a four-part message titled, Making Wise Choices About Sex. That's Monday when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.